welcome to episode 150 of the Wrestling Insomniac Podcast. My name is Mike. Joining me today, cousin Paul. What's up, Paul? 150. That's awesome. I'm I'm honored to be on for your 150th episode. Well, see, what happened was if I when I'm gonna now when I post this episode, it's gonna say it's like episode 109 or five or something ridiculous because the numbering is off. Because I good. started, I I explained this several episodes ago when I took the show over and it became my solo show. But, you know, when the when this podcast started, it had a different name. It was called uh, Off the Ropes. Yep. Yeah. And it was with uh, Ronnie and, and, and Todd and yourself. And I joined in episode two. And then that podcast became Podcast of a Thousand Holds, I believe. Yep. Yep. Uh, and that was with Aaron and Ronnie and me, and then it became the Rustling Insomniac. And when it became the Rustling Insomniac, and I took it over, and it was just me doing it solo with me, either interviewing people or having occasional guests or whatever, you know, um, I retconned it. Like, uh, good old comic book numbering. I was like, I want this, I, you know, even though it's under its third name, it's still been very consistently, you know, me doing the show. So I want to go all the way back to the first one. To all off right. The ropes. So, so what you're saying is for your 150th episode, you're honoring the founder of the show, me, by having me back on for like my third episode. <laughs> if, that's what it, if that's what you need to hear, buddy. That's what you that need works. to hear, friend. Yeah, it works for me. <laughs> but no, actually, it was uh, the the plan was all along, you know, for me going up to this episode 150 was to have you on the show. Uh, you know, the last few weeks I've I've had some other people on, you know, I, I had. Uh, well, I don't know if you've been listening or not, but I mean, I hope so. But, like you know, I've, I had uh, I had you on back a month ago on May 3rd. We recorded last and then I had uh, Mike, Mike Roch from uh, interspecies wrestling uh i've had uh jason the bad boston bad boy jason rumble on the show uh and then tony uh, was on last week's episode uh, sorry and before that i had dominic from uh delana's trading cards he makes wrestling trading cards and everything and then i had tony on last week which is like, just a guy i met on twitter who is a wrestling fan and is a collector of signed cards and he's he's very specific on what he likes to collect and for me, the interesting is, like, I've kind of, I want to make this show much like the Wrestling Somniac podcast, where I don't really talk about current wrestling very much on the podcast, except the shows I go to, my live events. I talk about old things of wrestling, or things that interest me, or my trading card collection, or, or whatever it is I talk about. And one of my funnest things I like to do is, is when I have, like, my buddy Brandon writes posts for, my po- for the blog. And I read his posts about his wrestling fandom. It gets, uh, and that's what I enjoy the most. So that's why I was like, you know what? I really want to make this show where I just talk to random wrestling fans uh, every week, hopefully, and just talk about wrestling and why they became fans of wrestling and you know their first matches and indie shows and, and everything like that. So that, that's the direction I see the show going in the future. That's a good direction. I like that. I just did a podcast uh, for my podcast with a guy who I've been talking to, uh, Glenn, who I've been talking to about his battles with trying to decide how he likes to collect as comics, but it's still kind of the same thing. Like it's it's a lot of fun, and it helps you figure out what it really matters too when you talk to people about you know about those things. You know, you 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 get into the nitty gritty. Like I've become a much different wrestling fan from talking to you about wrestling than I ever would have gotten yep. to on my own. Uh, I mean, I, I could even watch uh, Ric Flair matches with high appreciation hours before. I thought they were a little bit boring when I first, I mean, granted I was a kid, but uh, still, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like now I appreciate a lot more cause I understand a lot more and you've shown me things that those things relate to also. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. when we sit down together and we watch, we watch wrestling, of course, remotely now because of all everything going on. But basically, we do what we're doing right now. We just talk on the phone and we both watch something on the WWE Network at the same time, either a whole show or select matches. And, yeah, it really broadens – it can broaden your horizons to, as to what you're watching. Yeah, I mean, now it's like I get a little too excited when I come across anybody wrestling Harley Race on the network. 
Oh yeah, Harley Race is phenomenal. Yeah, this is what I have I have found recently on the network. Like, um, it's weird. Like back before they revamped it, if you were to go under territories or you'd go under the AWA section, right? Mm-hmm. They had one AWA folder, and in that AWA folder, if you will, they had all the shows. They had the championship wrestling shows, the ESPN shows, but also any AWA events they had in there, like. Super Clash 3, their only pay-per-view, uh, or, you know, their wrestling Star Wars, uh, wrestling Star Wars is world class. Yeah, or their Christmas night shows, or any specialty shows were all just in the AWA folder because they were AWA shows. Mm. And it was kind of a cool way to, to find them. Well, now, in their territories, AWA has three folders, and each one has two episodes in it, and they don't have much at all for, on there. However... If you go under like hidden gems and rare shows, you can find stuff. And yep. I have discovered as of last night, there's a lot of stuff that they put on the WWE network that has the dumbest titles on the planet. <laughs> yeah, it does. Or it's stuff that's not in the hidden gems, but if you search for it, it'll come up and then like click it to be on my list. So that way you can save it to watch it. Like for instance, there's a name of a show called The Midnight Rockers Prevail in the Brawl in St. Paul. And you might think, oh, that's just a single match. No, it's not. It's an almost two-hour event that happened in St. Paul, Minnesota, and it was called The Brawl in St. Paul was the name of the show. But, I mean, it's got <laughs> Brian Nobbs versus Earthquake Ferris, Earthquake Ferris, Boris Zukov versus Steve Ozolinski. Greg Gagne, you know, a six-man tag with Zabisco, Ninjo, and, and Masa Saito against Greg Gagne and, and Scott Hall. And and it's got, like, uh, Kurt Henning versus Nick Bockwinkle for the AWA world title. It's oh, that, Colonel De Beers is that the one where he, uh, he gets, uh, like, Henning gets blood big time? I haven't watched it yet, but the fact that it's a half-hour match, I'm pretty positive this is I'm pretty sure that's the one. I saw that's, that one they had on one of the um, like the, the yep. TV telecast. They had uh, the match, like a portion of the match. Yes, that was I believe this is the entire match. And then the main event is a very famous steel cage match that I've actually wanted to watch for years but never have, of the Midnight Rockers against uh, Playboy Buddy Rose and, and, and Doug Summers in a cage. I've I mean, heard about this match. Midnight Rockers are the Rockers, right? Like Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty. Midnight Gennetti, Rockers was... are the Rockers. Shawn Michaels and Marty yeah. Jannetty. That's what I thought. That's was right. Yeah. So it's like it has this complete show on there, but it's just called Midnight Rockers Prevail in the Brawl in St. Paul. It doesn't <laughs> tell you it's an AWA show. And I also found, like, um, the AWA, NWA, Night of Champions 2 from December 29th, 1985. Oh, man. And that's a complete show. Uh, GCW at the Omni, Ric Flair versus Tommy Rich. Nope, it's not one match. It's an hour-long show with multiple matches. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool things like that on the network. And the way I found some of these, specifically the NWA, AWA, Super Night of Champions 2, because that was not in the rare events under Hidden Gems, at least not on mine, was I was looking up Tully Blanchard matches last night. Yep. And I came across on NWA, AWA, United Champions 2, they have Tully Blanchard versus Magnum TA for the United States Championship, and it's their return match from Starcade, the famous I Quit match, my all-time favorite match. Yeah. So it's just like, holy shit. Like, I've never seen this match. I'm super excited. And it took place in uh, in New York. And, yeah, was, they were trying to close yeah, you can definitely tell that they're they're getting a lot better with um with the organization though. Like when they first kind of relaunched the network, because I guess they dumped like the old company that that did it, and I don't know if yeah. now they're like it's the, it's their own sourcing for like the the setup and everything, or if they are just going with somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. Like one of the things I used to love was every month they would come out with a couple of collections. I loved watching those collections because it exposed yep. me to a lot of stuff that I hadn't seen before. And even if I wasn't super hyped on whatever they came out with, like one of the things I like to do is I like to throw wrestling on when I'm going to bed uh, just to zone out to it. Like it doesn't have to be the greatest thing in the world. It could be whatever. But I've come across some stuff I've really enjoyed and, and had bigger appreciation for some wrestlers that I wouldn't have paid as much attention to if it was just, you know, searching for them otherwise. 
Uh, they're starting to kind of do that again with um, uh, the like the, the greatest matches collections they're doing and stuff. Like I told you the other yeah. day that I went yep. to sleep watching uh, The Rock's greatest collections and uh, uh, greatest matches. And The Rock, I kind of stopped watching wrestling like right as he was turning heel. And it was, it was before he really became The Rock. He was still Rocky Maivia and like had just, you know, flipped heel and was... Uh, you know, part of the nation of domination. Um, so it was pretty cool seeing a lot of that stuff. Uh, but like that stuff is a lot of fun for me. But one of the things I like that they do, even though the, the organization is pretty messy still, if you search for yeah. a match and watch that match, it takes you to wherever that match is in the whole card that it's on. So then yes. you can yep. like jump to wherever in the cards. A lot of times I'll like, I'll stumble across a match uh, that's on uh, either, I mean, whether it's a WWF, WWE pay-per-view, a WCWN, uh, some old show. But I'll, yep. I'll jump in, and then you're able to, like, scroll down a little bit uh, on a tablet, at least. Like, I'm thinking on my tablet, I guess. But, like, I, on your Roku yep. or whatever, you just push down. And usually it breaks up all the matches, so you could jump yes, around. Yes, yep, So it's it pretty cool, because, like, I could look and see if there's something that's really worth watching. Or if I just want to kind of zone out to it and enjoy it, just watch whatever's on. And I think, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, like, I've really been getting hyped up on Horseman stuff lately. Like, I haven't watched a ton of Horseman particularly yet, yeah. but I've always loved Arn Anderson. Like, he's always been one of my favorite wrestlers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even, like, you know, back when, I mean, Ric Flair, I never disliked him, but he wasn't my favorite, you know, but Arn always was one of my favorites. And listening to his podcast, I am only, like, so a couple months ago, I started listening, and now I'm, like, one one or two episodes behind. So, like, yep. I'm almost caught up and pounding through all this. But listening to him talk about guys makes me want to see a lot of guys. Like, I mean, I, you showed me I some like fully patches. What I like the most about his podcast, what I like the most about his podcast is, like, one week you get an Ask Arn Anything where he, they talk about yep. the old days or whatever. They talk about everything. And then the next week they seem to be covering modern stuff where he was a producer in the WWE. And you get his insight of it or matches or things that he thoughts he had or matches that he was the producer for or the agent for. And it's fascinating like to hear stuff from five years ago because the rest of Conrad shows with everybody else, it's all old stuff, which is great and I love, but it's interesting to get Arn's perspective on on the newer stuff, you know? Yeah, totally. Like I I have softened my thoughts towards like the Bellas just hearing how how much positive he has to say about them. I haven't gone back back and watched any Bellas yeah. matches, but I think they're an example of uh performers that people are too hard on because like you and me, we watch their matches and it's not what we want, right. but that doesn't mean that they're not doing good work for what it is. They're being asked to do. I mean, we saw that like with Dean Ambrose and how much we disliked him towards the end of his WWE run, particularly then he yeah. goes to AEW and he's free of all these bounds, oh. you know, and he's, he's a totally different that, performer. When I first was seeing the new Japan pro wrestling. Oh yeah. I was just mm-hmm. like, Holy cow, this is amazing. And then when you hear him, he was on Jericho's podcast, I believe, and he didn't bury the WWE, but he did vent many frustrations about why he was the way he was, why he was fed up, why he left the promotion. I mean, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, really, when when you break it down as to why he felt the way he did. It's like, all right, well, that's why he acted the way he did. Yeah, he was just being honest. One of the things I think is wild about WWE is that – it doesn't seem like they have any problem with wrestlers being honest about their experiences, even when it's negative for them. Their yeah. own programs on the network have wrestlers stating negative stuff about the organization. Yep. It just it, yeah, even uh, that goes back a long way to when uh, all the wrestlers started writing books, like when, like you know, Mick Foley's really kicked it off, but. When you know you read all these older books back when WWE was putting out books, again they're not doing it now. But the wrestlers would, in the books, say negative things about the company, and Vince would know about it, and he'd allow it to happen because that's how they feel. Yeah, and, and you know, I, you I think that it, it feels like that was kicked off with um, with his embracing the the Montreal screw job. Like he knew he screwed Brett. He took it and spun it to make himself a character, which obviously was like a no, big part of the Brett success. But Brett, Paul. exactly, he uh, went on national. Vince went on national television and told us all that Brett screwed Brett. And we all know that Vince McMahon is the most honest person in the world. So you know, yes. he, it must be true. Exactly. 
But like he embraced that, and I like yes. I I mean obviously I wasn't closely following stuff at that time. That was kind of the kill shot for me uh, because I was very unhappy with that. Um, but like that seems like the the time where you know they obviously they kicked in the Attitude Era, and that's when they started allowing all the wrestlers to go after their own personality instead of trying to be characters. And I think that's when they started realizing that honesty sold. You know, yep. people don't want to buy a book that sugar-coated BS. They right. want to buy a book where people are saying what they really feel, you know? I mean, Austin became a legend because he was the guy flipping Vince off and kicking his ass, you know? Yep. That's yeah, what people was. wanted to do to, to their bosses. Like, that's a cliche thing, right? Like, that's why Austin was so over on top of his great work and great mic skills and all that stuff, of course. But, you know, he, he got to do what everybody wanted to do. They wanted to, like, vent their pissed off. So, like, hearing people vent their pissed off makes you feel a lot better and, and take it more seriously. Um, speaking of books, uh, a little segue. Uh, I'm writing a book. Ah, nice. Uh, I have actually, I've, uh, you know, I, I finished up college a couple weeks ago. I, I, you know, turned in the last of my assignments, finished up my classes, you know, got my degree. Uh, I'll get it in the mail in a several weeks here. But so I've, I've finished up my classes to get my associate's degree in business management. So I'm pretty happy with that. Congratulations. I have, thank you. Now I have free time again to do other stuff, which I haven't had the last two years because being a full-time student and working a full-time job, and being a full-time dad of three, and being a husband, uh, takes up a lot of your time. So I was squeezing, reading comic books, because they're short, and I can read them, and, you know, I can read an issue, and I'm done, as opposed to being able to read books, or work on my writing, or whatever, and I'd write my blogs, because I don't have to think about it, I just type, and I can look up information, but... So... I've decided what I'm going to do is take a collection of my blog posts, some of my better ones. I mean, the Wrestling Insomniac blog's been uh, uh, since March 1st, 2015. There's uh, 500, almost 500 posts that have been posted in the last five years. So that's quite a view. And several of them are really good, really well-researched, and really well-written. If I want to toot my own horn, please, and thank you. So with some encouragement from a couple others, uh, I've decided to take some of the most popular posts and some of the best posts. And I believe there's 35 in total. And I have, I went, I spent last week formatting and formatting and reformatting and editing and essentially put together a 165 page book that I've gone through Kindle publishing direct through Amazon to publish this book. I mean, I had to make my own cover. I had to do my own, layouts i mean everything and follow their guidelines and, and make sure it all fits the way it's supposed to and it was a it was it was it was a task but i i finished it up and i actually have my proof copy according to shipping will be here on saturday so i can have my proof copy so i can go through it make sure it looks the way i want it to look and that it looks like a book you know and um yeah, then once i i, I go through the proof and if it looks good to me and i approve it it's gonna be it's going to be uh, up on Amazon for sale, either a paperback or a Kindle download version. That's awesome. That's a nice uh, graduation present to yourself there. Yeah. And if I sell any, great. And if I don't, hey, at least I'll have something nice to put on the shelf of some stuff I worked really, really, really hard on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really exciting. And I actually have enough posts. Uh, that because I had gone through every single post and I pulled the ones that I thought would be were good enough, and I actually have enough posts to make a second volume as well. So depending on how this one does, I may make a second book. But That's awesome. Posts. Yeah, I guarantee you, you'll sell at least one copy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But anyhow, uh, to talk to current wrestling for a moment, um, you know, I, I watch AEW every week. I watch Dark, which is on tonight. This We're talking here on, on Tuesday, June 2nd. So after we get done, I'll probably watch Dark, and then, or I might watch it tomorrow. And then tomorrow night, I'll definitely watch AEW Live on TNT, 
I have my mom's uh, cable login on the TNT app so I can watch it because I don't have cable myself. Yeah, I wish I could watch AW. I watch Dark, and Dark is good, but it definitely isn't the same as watching Dynamite. No, I yeah, and then I understand that. But you know, they they've been doing the wrestlers as the crowd for a long time. But you know, the wrestlers that are as the crowd, they're they're being themselves, or you know, they're they're staying true to their characters, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, mostly they're it's... not being made to be some. They're not being. They're not portraying to be someone they're not. You know, like yeah. when you have MJF and 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 Sean Spears out there gambling on the matches, or you have the Dark Order just sitting <laughs> off by themselves, not reacting, or you know, you have the baby faces the other side, like Austin Gunn losing his mind because that's who he is. You know, it's <laughs> it's everyone is being themselves and it's believable. Well, WWE decided that they're going to have live crowds now for the matches as opposed to no audience, but they put up plexiglass like they're in a fucking hockey rink. And they got there, and it's it's not the other wrestlers. It is it's uh, signed NXT talent and developmental who aren't on TV, but they're in developmental. Maybe they are. And then they make them wear wrestlers T-shirts of the active roster wrestlers, and make them cheer and scream their heads off. <laughs> it's so it, it just feels so dumb, so fake, so unnatural, and it it really honestly it kind of turns me off the product i haven't tried watching that yet well you didn't watch uh didn't you watch nxt last week actually no i haven't watched it yet oh okay i've been having more of a struggle watching nxt with the i don't know it's just it's the the shows feel too slowed down right now and i haven't watched dynamite so i don't know if it's i mean like I really enjoyed the first SmackDown when all this happened and they did it without a crowd because I thought they played I to it too. really well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I honestly, there's there's always a little bit of an ebb and flow with me, anyways. And yeah, with the level of stress I've been under the last few weeks, trying to pay attention to a new show where I actually want to be engaged with what's going on, a little less, yeah. you know, a little less appealing to me. So I, that's why I've been watching more old stuff where. I don't care if I zone out and don't pay attention to it, you know? I'm not going to miss anything. I can watch it again and, you know, get get the same experience. Um, I'll, I'll pick back up with NXT at some point soon. And, man, I wish I could watch Dynamite because I definitely dig a lot of the talent on AEW. Um, the one plus of watching Dark is just getting to see people I don't get to see. Because Dark, to me, I, you know, I've watched a couple in the last month or so. And it basically feels like a bunch of high-quality squash matches. Like, you know who's going over yes, in these matches. But it's still better than, like, you know, watching old, you know, WWE or WWF superstars where it's like the squash isn't even, like, a challenge. But, uh, you know, it's there are some people I really enjoy seeing. Uh, I mean, like, one is Colt Cabana. Getting to see him, I listened to his podcast a ton. I had never watched his ass wrestle, you know. So getting to see yeah. him wrestle was cool. Um I mean, the first time I, I ever saw him wrestle, aside from what they showed on his uh, documentary DVD that you had lent me uh, quite a while back, uh, was his little bit of appearance on um, NWA Power. He had like I, I, yeah. one match that I saw, at least, and then I kind of zoned out on Power. But uh, yeah. seeing him in AEW has been good. Like, he had a, a good match on The Last Dark with a guy, like, you knew Colt was going over, but it was a good match, and... He's good. Mm-hmm. Like, he's good. Oh, yeah, and, he's excellent. You know, you listen to him, and you, you think of him, like, and I know his presentation's like a comedy, kind of, you know, it has a comedy touch to it, but that dude's, like, he, he works for what he does. He's big. He's strong. And what and, he does is know, pretty honestly, impressive. When I've seen him be serious in the past, like, there's um, a documentary I'll have to get you a copy of. It's called Seven Levels of Hate. And it's a documentary that Adam Pierce made about him and his fe- about his feud with with him and Colt Cabana over the NWA World Championship. Some of the matches they had were just brutal, knockdown, dragout brawls where they both got bloody and beat the tar out of each other. You know, and it's definitely a different side of Colt Cabana that you don't see right now. And it has a lot to do. I equate it to like Hulk Hogan saying, like, you know, I got three big moves. It's a big move, a leg, a body slam, and a leg drop, but it's how I do it. You know, or a lot of people make fun of John Cena for being the five moves of doom and everything. And it's, you know, these wrestlers have found a way that they can 
entertain the fans, hit their big moves, and maybe elongate their career. But even Hogan's leg drop fucked his hips up so bad he's had to have both replaced. Yeah, well, which is wild Cole to think Cabana, of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you look at Cole Cabana's style of wrestling. I mean, he's 40 years old or going to be 40 this year, I believe. And his style of wrestling, he could wrestle into his 60s. Yeah, I love watching his chain wrestling. Yeah. You, know, like, you see it with other guys like... Um, Gentleman Jack Gallagher in yep. NXT or two two oh five live. Like he has that kind of a style. Yeah. And he, he's good. Like I enjoy him. But with uh some of the younger guys like him doing it, like it feels more it's not that classic British world of sports style of wrestling. Yeah. It doesn't have the seasoning on it yet, you know? Like they're good. Right. But seeing Colt where it's like the way he does it, like it's like watching Regal. You see the seasoning right. in what he's done and exactly. like the Same time thing. put into it. And you know those other guys will get there, but it's like it's really something when you see the guys that like it's years and years of doing it and you're not flowing through uh something that is like not I mean I, I doubt it's choreographed, but like it feels more choreographed because there's like a kind of too smooth of a flow to it. You know, and right. it's if there's no resistance, it doesn't feel as real because Right. In a real fight, there there would be resistance to what you're doing. When you watch Colt do it, like you feel like there's resistance he's working through. He's outsmarting exactly, yeah. his opponent more and not just yep. going through this chain that the opponent's working with him on, you know? Yep. Uh, I mean, that's one thing that always impressed me with Daniel Bryan uh, was just the, the crispness of what he did like that. You know, he had a, a very crisp flow through what he did, but it always felt real. And part of that's probably because he really like kicked the shit out of people and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one, I've only seen a few of her matches, and one of them was live. Chris Statlander. The little bit oh, I've seen of her, I am just infatuated with her. Awesome. Oh, same here. She's super impressive, and I mean, she's super young too. Oh yeah, she's only been wrestling a few years. I think she's twenty five, twenty six, maybe. And she's even that old. So yeah, yeah. And but the way she wrestles, like there's there's more physicality to it. But there's, I mean, just the control and confidence in what she does. That just it feels oh, yeah. so good to see that, you know. And she's strong. Yeah, she's very strong, actually. And 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 I I. Thoroughly enjoys watching her in the ring. I've enjoyed watching her these last couple of years to Limitless Wrestling. When I heard, we had first heard that she'd signed with WWE and then um, she showed up on AEW and then she announced at the show that, yeah, she signed with AEW. And one of the main reasons why she signed with AEW, AEW over WWE is because with AEW, she's still allowed to come and work li- uh, independence. She yeah. can still come work Limitless and she plans on being in Limitless as long as they'll have her. So that's exciting. You know, because yep, uh, I like, I, you know, <laughs> it feels like I feel like ownership sounds just so stupid, but I feel like I've been watching Chris Stalin since she first started wrestling. You know, she's 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 my wrestler, like one of the wrestlers I feel like are my wrestlers. So to see them on on AEW, to see her on AEW in big matches, I'm instantly rooting for her because, you know, I, I've watched her come up through. I feel the kind of the same way. Like if Anthony Green ever ever gets somewhere, it'd be the same type of scenario there, or the Posse, or you know, any number of guys. You know, like I I I love watching John Silver on AEW as well because John Silver's another guy I've seen wrestle for several years now in the Indies up this way. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I may have only seen him once, but like seeing Dijak uh, wrestle yep. on NXT is like, yep. it's like I saw that guy, you know. Yep. So for me, it's it's. You know, I'm I'm excited to see her up there, and and I look forward to. I look forward to wrestling. I look forward to live wrestling coming back. You know, yeah. um, I know a, a guy I met at a New Japan show in Lowell, Mass. Last September, his name's Joe Briggs. He's he lives down in either Tennessee or North Carolina, and, and but I know he's wrestling in Tennessee. But he's a wrestler, and. Um, he actually has a match in a couple weeks in Tennessee because they're running shows down there again, and they're starting to run shows in you know this month, and you know with less capacity and, and social distancing and this and that, and a few other companies have announced the same thing. Like ICW is running a drive-in show in Chicago, and GCW is going to run a 
Game Changer Wrestling is going to run a show this month, and and they've talked about you know social distancing. You know, like the seating is going to be a little different. If you buy like four tickets at once, yeah, they're going to put four seats next to each other for you because you bought four tickets at once and you're together. But like otherwise, they want to try and space people out and everything. And there's a company in Maine. It used to be under a different name. Now they're calling themselves Main Event Wrestling, which is the third company in Maine to call themselves Main Event Wrestling. And they are—they're talking about running a show in June, and they've gotten some some shit for it from some other wrestlers about why would you do this? And then you have some fans that are giving them grief, and other fans are like, "Yes, good to see wrestling back." And then IWE posted something today about an announcement coming later this month. I don't know if they're going to show this month or next month or what they're doing, but. Part of me is excited to see wrestling returning, but another part of me is, you know, live wrestling returning because I miss going. But another part of me is like, is it too soon? Is it not too soon? Are we all being too overly cautious? You know, I'm not I'm not really sure how to how to be. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing if people are conscientious of being respectful of distancing and respectful of other people's space, basically like it. It shouldn't be as big of a deal. Like I'm definitely one of the ones that I'm on the side of being, um, being cautious. Like all the guidelines that we have in place, like I'm following them because honestly, there's not a good reason not to. Right. Uh, you know, I go to work, I have to wear a face mask all day. So why wouldn't I wear a face mask in the grocery store and anywhere else other than just being a selfish dick? And I'm right. not going to do that. You know. So it's yeah. you know with things starting to open back up, I also like. It, I don't feel like it'd do me any good to have apprehension about it because things are going to open back up. But I'm going to continue to right. be cautious because it's not just about me. Like, you don't wear a mask for yourself. You wear a mask for the other people, you know? Right. Right. So, no, exactly. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. I don't know. I think it's one of those things is, like, I can't worry too much about what Right. What is going on about everything? Because there's plenty of stuff to worry about these days. That's no. for sure. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's absolutely true. Uh, going back to WWE Network real quick. I don't know if you've watched them yet, but they've released three episodes of the uh, Undertaker, The Last Ride documentary series. I've watched the first two. Very, very good. Oh, my. Third, the third one is just as good. You know, uh, they're excellent. I mean, yeah. I know, like, uh, this week they took, I think we got a couple week hiatus. The next episode is June 17th, I want to say. Um, but man, talk, I, not June 17th. That doesn't make any sense, but maybe it's the 14th. It doesn't matter, but talk about excellent. I mean, these, I really have enjoyed these three episodes. You got to make sure you watch that third episode. They're an hour long a piece and it's really a side of the undertaker we've never seen. And it's really interesting. And, um, Yeah. I'm excited to watch. I think they're do. I think they said there's seven episodes total. So I, I look forward to seeing the next four. Yeah, I've I've been enjoying the heck out of them. The only reason I haven't watched the third one is I haven't been in a place to like focus on it properly, and I don't want to half-ass watch it. You know. So yep. I mean, I might actually end up watching that tonight after we're done. I'm off the next couple of days, so if I don't do it tonight, I might do it tomorrow night or the next go. night. But uh, yeah, I, I've been enjoying the heck out of them. Uh, you know, getting some. I, I don't know, like, seeing The Undertaker be Mark Calloway and be yeah. humble. Yeah. And, like, there's no ego there. Like, you really see why he's the locker room leader that you've always heard yeah. he is, you know? And um, seeing, you know, his battles with uh, with aging and him wanting to leave on his terms and, uh, you know, leave, leave with a, a good last mark that he leaves and seeing... I know it's really cool to me seeing yep. Michelle McCool uh, want him to not wrestle, but also yes. understanding and respecting it at the same time. And it's funny because, like, for her, you know, like, if he has a great match, then, oof, geez, maybe I got another one in me. And then if he has a bad match, it's like, ugh, now he's got to, you know, make up for that bad match. So yep. for her, it's like, it's, it is almost like he's trying to find the perfect match to leave on, but he just can't seem to find that match. And, you know, he had that hip surgery replacement, hip replacement surgery. There we go. And then, you know, he, he brought it, he, you know, bought a building, like an old rundown building or whatever it was, and he put a ring in it. WWE brought a ring down, put the ring in it for him. 
and he got himself into amazing shape, you know, and then he goes out and has that match with Cena where he beats Cena in three minutes at WrestleMania. And he looked great, but then after that, he's like, I was ready to go, you know, train to go 40 minutes, I go five minutes, and, you know, so that match wasn't good enough for him to go out on because he felt like he could do more, and he wants to show he can do more, you know, and and then it leads to eventually, you know, the tag match with him and Kane against Shawn Michaels and Triple H, and everything that go wrong went wrong, you know. Uh, Triple H is in the first minute of the match, you know, his arm explodes. Uh, Kane's mask falls off. I mean, if, you know, just the, the whole match just was a big, giant cluster. So now he's like, I got to make up for it, you know. And I don't, they haven't shown the match yet or talked about it yet. But, you know, he's got that match coming up with Goldberg that was the drizzling shits. Oh, God. So... You know, and even Goldberg needed redemption for that match. And Taker needed redemption for that match. So it'll just... I'm curious where it's going to go. Quite frankly, as much as I love the Boneyard match with him against AJ Styles at Mania, I hope that's not his last match. Because his last match needs to be in the ring in front of a crowd. Yeah. He needs at least one good last match. It needs to be with somebody, uh, you know, like AJ Styles who can... Uh, you know, play to play to what he does. His conditioning was, I mean, you know, I mean, you saw in the documentary, his conditioning, like he got his conditioning really good for that match with John Cena. That match might yeah. have been short, but it looked good. And he didn't, he did not look at all like he was out of wind by the end of it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Cena sold the hell out of that match. I mean, that's, Oh yeah, he did. He AJ Styles is a right person for that. You know, uh, well, what's, there's other what's guys hilarious. Be right for that. What's hilarious is if you watch, I don't know if it's part two or three. It might be part three, actually. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it was part two. But he is at a pay-per-view. I think it's Evolution. Might be the Rumble. But Michelle McCool is making her return. Oh, yeah. I think sure she that, was that in episode two. That was cool. <laughs> okay, so Battle World at, at Evolution. But the thing, or but, and then, but no, it was, maybe it was the Royal Rumble because. It was the Rumble, yeah. Okay, because. Undertaker's there, and he's watching the monitor, and he's watching, like, AJ Styles, Russell. And he makes a comment of, there's one guy I really have, you know, really regret having never stepped in the ring with is AJ Styles. He really reminds me of Shawn Michaels. He's, he's a guy I'd really love to have a match with. Yep. And it's funny because a couple years later, they end up having that Boneyard match, you know. So I thought that was pretty funny. They had him on tape saying that comment a couple of years, you know, prior to them actually working together. So yeah, yeah. In lieu of, or instead of the Undertaker this past Sunday, they had the Sting the Lost Tape. Um, if you got 15 minutes, go watch it because it's all it is is 15 minutes long. It shows the specials in half an hour, but that's because the first 15 minutes is the actual Lost Tape. The second half is a match. And it's a match that's you may not have seen it before, but I have. But basically, before Slambury, a Legends Union, I want to say 1995, they had a camera crew follow Sting. And they just talked about him preparing for the match against Big Bubba Rogers that night. And, you know, they talked about he's putting his makeup on. He talks about wearing the, wearing the paint. You know, they talked to other wrestlers about him. Uh, one of them was surprising me was Vader because Vader is a bad guy. And they talked to him about it. But it was still, it was 1995. It was something that was way ahead of its time as far as, you know, the style of interviews they were doing. And it's in kayfabe. But not really. Because it's not like they throw it in your face where he's like, oh, I got this tough match tonight. I got to go out there. Maybe I win. Maybe I won't win. No, he's like, no, I'm wrestling Big Bubba Rogers tonight. He's a tough guy. He's a big guy. Um, you know, he's really going to test me and that's probably all true because he is a big guy and a tough guy and they probably really are going to, you know, go out, you know, and they were really going to go at it in their lights out match. So if you got 15 minutes, go watch it. It's worth, it's worth your time. I watched, I actually did watch the first, uh, few minutes of it, but once again, I wanted to really focus on it and it was, yep. I was, uh, trying to put something on while I was having trouble falling back to sleep. Yep. And just wanted an earbud in my ear and listening. So I did a little bit. I was like, I want to pay attention to this. Oh, but yeah. It's, it's worth paying attention to. 
Sting is such an interesting one for me where, uh, you know, he was, you know, the, the franchise of WCW, but I was a WWF guy. I watched WCW because I watched everything I could. So I always yeah. watched Sting and appreciated him. But um, it's definitely interesting looking back at his matches and what he did. Uh, and I want to dig in more, um, you know, because like he's sort of an analog to Ho- to Hogan. But not exactly, and I mean, obviously, he could do. He well, Hogan could do a lot more than Hogan did, but Sting did yeah. a lot more than Hogan did in his matches. Um, you know, and then the the development of his career is interesting. Like I thought, the uh, you know the the Crow version of Sting was a very well done thing. Uh, I was always hoping he'd go back to the maybe not the bleach blonde flat top, but go back to you know the colorful Sting. Because that's yeah. the thing I, I loved the most. And then, you know, not that I wasn't a fan of the Crow Sting, but when he did his time in TNA and when he did, you know, his matches in WWE, I was I was really hoping that he would go back to being the colorful Sting that uh, I grew up on. Because when I think of Sting, even though he spent more of his career as the Crow Sting version with the black and the white and that style and that look, I still, when I think of Sting, I think of bleach blonde, flat top, bright and colorful, you know, the Stinger. That's who I think of. That's where my yeah, brain goes to. Definitely. Yeah, so um, I, I'm very interested in that. T- I mean, it's just crazy. And it's not like he was never seen, but like seeing him without his face paint, seeing him put his face paint on, like it yep. just feels so uh, so intimate, too. You know? Mm-hmm. No, I know exactly what you mean. and and. I actually enjoyed watching him putting his face paint on because uh, really skillful with the brush <laughs> after all the years doing it, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you saw this. I know I shared it, but I don't know if you watched it, but the Tully Blanchard promo. No, I didn't see that. Oh, my God. Go out of your way on Twitter. I'll tag you again. I'll tag you in it. But Tully Blanchard's been managing Sean Spears in AEW. Well, no, I, I did see you post that. I didn't uh, get a chance to uh, watch it, but yeah, I need to watch that. It's a couple minutes long, and he's been trying to find a tag partner for Sean Spears, and Spears has not wrestled very well in AEW as far as he's come on the losing end mostly. But uh, Tully cut a promo basically telling Spears he had no heart and he needed to find heart. Oh, my God. Like, just go watch the promo. I cannot do it justice. It was amazing. It just shows how great of a promo guy Tully Blanchard is. It shows that Tully Blanchard's still the man, can still get you fired up, can still give me goosebumps, you know. Um, I absolutely loved it. It just, I I watched it so many times. And what I think is a crying shame was that it wasn't on a live Dynamite. Or hopefully they'll show it on Dark maybe tonight. But that that needs to be seen on national TV by a national television audience. And... I don't know. I just, I'm a huge Tully Blanchard fan. Always have been since I was a kid, even. He's always been one of my favorites. And, uh, yeah. Oh, man, that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, man, I, I just wish I could watch Dynamite so much. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, WWE's got a pay per view this weekend. They're doing the NXT in your house. I have no idea even what's on it. Quite frankly, um, I just I'm I, like kind of like you are struggling with watching um, NXT and staying attached. I kind of feel the same way a little bit. Uh, excuse me, please. I mean, I have watched bits and pieces. Like I did watch the um, Tim Thatcher versus uh, Matt Riddle pit cage match they had that was interesting that was unique that was interesting um but oh here we go i found it the the nxt takeover in your house card which is live from the performance center this this sunday on the wwe network so i mean i'll definitely watch it because it's a live show it's live and you know not the performance center it's gonna be a full sale university um but anyhow uh, Tommaso Ciampa against Karrion Cross. That should be good. Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai. 
for the NXT Women's Championship. Finn Balor against Damian Priest. Okay, that's happening. Uh, <laughs> Keith Lee against Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. And then Adam Cole defending the NXT Championship against Velveteen Dream in a last chance for the NXT Championship. If Dream loses, he can no longer challenge for the NXT Championship while Cole is champion. And unfortunately, and I hope this isn't the case, but unfortunately it feels like that um, Adam Cole is, is coming to an end as champion. If that's it. I don't want it to be so, but it certainly feels like it. So. Yeah. I, I like the work that Dream has done in his yeah. development. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I I don't think, I don't think I want to see him beat Adam Cole. But I also, it's not that I don't want to see him become the champion either. It's weird. WWE has done this before, where they have someone primed, where it's like, um, you know, like all right, so Roman Reigns. When everyone wanted Roman Reigns to win the Royal Rumble, he didn't. He, get, he instead wins it the next year when no one cares. Yep. When everyone wants to see Braun Strowman win the big title, either the Universal the WWE Championship, he doesn't. And then when he does win it, no one cares. It's, it's one of those things where it's like they missed the boat on someone when they should. And, you know, honestly, a couple matches ago, or a few months ago, I thought Velveteen Dream winning the title would have been a big pop, would have been pretty entertaining. But he didn't. Instead, he gets the North American title and no one cares it was weird um you know adam cole you know as of i mean at yesterday june 1st 2020 celebrated one year as nxt champion he won it on he won it on june 1st 2019 at takeover 25 in bridgeport connecticut from johnny gargano and uh i mean he is the longest reigning nxt champion uh, in a single reign. Actually, he's the longest reigning NXT champion in any combined reigns. The next closest is Finn Balor, who's held it for 292 days. So. It's kind of interesting with NXT stuff like that. Like, the, the, there's still such a short history that, you know, breaking ground is still kind of a common thing. Um, oh, the do first you mind NXT get... champion was crowned in 2012. So, I mean, it's been eight years. Yeah, I mean, just short by comparison, but that's still eight years. Yeah, maybe, I mean, one year is massive in an eight-year history. Exactly. Um, whereas, like, you know, how long did Backlund hold the, the title? Hogan, you know, like oh, a lot oh, of guys yeah, had you know, massive, Backlund massive held the title for, for seven years or six and a half years, and Hogan held the title for four years, and yes, you know, you're I mean, right. Like, Pete Dunne holding the NXT champion, uh, uh, UK championship for almost two years. Yep. Nowadays, it's going to be hard to, to equal because to keep that compelling is not so easy. Um, no. Do you mind giving me a quick uh, a quick second? I got to uh, step aside and do something real quick. You know, I hate editing shows, Paul. <laughs> My apologies. I'll be right back. Okay, sorry about that. I am back. So, yeah, I watched the TakeOver pay-per-view this weekend, but um, not not overly excited, I guess. I, I watch it for something to watch, basically. Yeah, it's, you know... It's new, live, it's new live wrestling. Yeah, and I feel like if you go into it with that mentality, you're more likely to be surprised and pleased. And if you go into it with expecting it to be the height that you used to expect, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment, you know? Like WrestleMania, we went into it knowing it wasn't going to be what we're used to and kind of just hoping for the best, and it was pretty good, you know? Maybe not what we would have gotten, but pretty good. And, yeah, I mean, hopefully NXT will be, uh, you know, better than just the the week-to-week TV shows that have been getting a little little harder to watch week after week, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, like for instance, uh, the we just you know the week after that, June fourteenth, is uh, Backlash twenty twenty, and this again will be a pay per view. They're calling them pay per views, but it's on the WWE Network. It's going to be at the Performance Center, sort of full sale, and they've announced four matches: uh, Oscar versus Nia Jax for the Raw Women's Title. Braun Strowman against The Miz and John Morrison. I'm glad they're burying them in a handicap match for the Universal Championship. Drew McIntyre against Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. And then in a singles match for what they are hyping as the greatest wrestling match ever. So, yeah, that'll definitely live up to the hype. Edge versus Randy Orton. <laughs> not that, I, I, not, not that I, I don't think Edge and Randy Orton can put on a match together, but... Yeah, this isn't the carny fucking 1980s, 60s, 70s, 80s, where you bill as the greatest wrestling match ever. Um, That's like when they compared the Ascension to Legion of Doom. You just bury it when you do that. But I guess, at the very least, the fact that WWE is acknowledging this is a wrestling match and they're not calling it the greatest sports entertainment match ever, I mean, that's, that's pretty huge. Because, yeah. you know, wrestling is a taboo word in the WWE. They're not professional wrestlers. They're sports entertainers. You know, they're, they're, they're not allowed to say wrestling. Sports entertainment. You know, so it's kind of, uh, it's impressive that they're actually using the word wrestling to advertise something. Yeah. So I guess I have to give them credit. You know, they're acknowledging that this is actually professional wrestling you're watching. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see some. I mean, the match they put on at WrestleMania was pretty damn good, all considering. No, realistically, it was a good match. So, but it's it's new wrestling to watch. Which, you know, I, I it's it's so hard. I mean, I've I've always been a diehard wrestling fan, and my love and passion for wrestling hasn't waned. My love and passion for watching the current product that WWE is putting out has waned, but not wrestling in general. Like, I spent April, end of April, beginning of May, just watching everything, 1984, 85, 86, WWE, of World Wrestling Federation they had on the network. And now I've spent, you know, from mid-May through now, and I'm going to keep going, watching 84, 85, 86, everything, like, NWA or AWA on the network. So apparently... The last couple of bucks, my my go to for classic wrestling to watch is anything from eighty four to eighty six or eighty seven, um, and I'm loving it. You know, I'm seeing some matches I've never seen or versions of matches I've never seen. Or, you know, right now I have literally one match left in the four plus hour eighty six Crockett Cup tournament they put on the network, which Bruce Pritchard is the ring announcer for the majority of it. There is no color commentary for the most part. It's just a single camera shot. But it's the fan reactions are amazing. The rustling is really good and entertaining. And I, I guess, you know, because there's no commentary, I do have that feeling like I'm at the show a little bit. Because you don't have commentary when you're at the show. You hear the ring announcer, but that's it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Old wrestling is fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> wrestling is fun to watch. What, what's the most recent thing you were watching? I'm looking at the continue watching. Are you watching In Your House 1? Yeah, I actually started watching that uh, this morning. Because I've been waking up at 5.30 a.m. No matter what time I actually have to get up for work. And wanting to go back to sleep. But uh, it's like falling asleep has been a little bit hard for me lately. So instead of just like laying there awake... If I do something like throw wrestling on my tablet and throw an earbud in my ear, I just listen to it. A lot of times it helps me drift back off to sleep. So I put on In Your House 1 uh, because, like, if you scroll down a little bit, they have, like, the whole, like, In Your House collection right now, like, yes. you know, popping up on the main page because of the NXT show coming up. So uh, you know, In Your House 1 is an interesting time in wrestling for me because that's definitely when I was very much into wrestling. Uh and it starts off with Bret Hart versus Hakushi in yes. a match, but he's going to wrestle Jerry Lawler later. I still don't yeah. completely remember the whole context of that, but I'm actually looking forward to watching the whole show to kind of build up yeah. the context for that. I actually most recently watched this show myself. So that's kind of funny that you're watching it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, 
like, one thing that stood out to me right off is Doc Hendricks Sorry. was <laughs> Doc Hendricks was an intense announcer. <laughs> oh, Michael P.S. Hayes. Yep, Michael Hayes was. Uh, yes, I think he was. He wasn't terrible, but he's not quite cut out for announcing because he's just like yeah. yelling stuff constantly. Kind of. Were you uh, watching Spring Spin, Spring Stampede '97? Yeah, I was. So I was watching a Spring Stampede. I forget which one it was, but it was the one where the main event was Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, and I think it rolled oh, no, over into. Yeah, it rolled over eventually into '97. That's why oh, okay. that's why I continued okay. watching. Uh, but okay. yeah, I was watching the one from '94, and I I don't even remember what match drew me into it because it wasn't the. Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat match, but then when I got to that match, I was like, "Hell yes, that's I will stick cool. around for this." Yeah, yeah, and I, uh, I I knew Ricky Steamboat did not win the championship then because I knew he didn't hold the title that like that late in time frame, but uh, right. I was it still that was heck of a match. Uh, odd ending. I I liked how they had. Um, who was the WCW president? Was it Bockwinkle? Nick Bockwinkle was the yeah. was Yeah. Yeah, so they had him out at ringside for it. So when they yeah. had the odd finish with the double pinfall, the like a second referee runs in, and then they confer with Bockwinkle. Like, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed things like that that they did. The things that I didn't yep. enjoy was the Bill Watts, like, no over-the-top rope crap. Like, the, the inane oh. rules that he had. But Yeah, yeah that uh, was garbage. Yeah, well, so dude, I I appreciate you chatting with me tonight. I appreciate it, too. And uh, I always enjoy talking about wrestling. And uh, like I told you when we started, I don't know where this conversation is going to go. Uh, but we'll just start and see what happens. And uh, It appropriately went towards Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, which is what It really did, about. yeah. It ended Ric Flair versus Ricky <laughs> Steamboat. So. But uh, you can check me out. Oh, you know what? Before we go, I actually want to talk about one other thing. Yep. You can still check me out on Twitter at Superstar Mel. You can still check Paul on Twitter at Who's Paul. But uh, I, for the last few days, I, I've I had gastric sleeve surgery in February. I've lost uh, eighty three pounds, and most of my clothes are too big. And I do have some old wrestling shirts that uh, now fit me again. A couple of them, you know, I have a couple old ones that I held on to that fit me again. And my wife was kind of commenting the fact that. You know, my, my shirts look too big. And when I wear a shirt that's when I wear one of my older shirts, she goes, It just it looks a lot better. And that has any anytime someone wears something that fits them better, it looks better. Yep. So I've been trying to find a new shirt to buy. And I have not had much luck. And I almost bought Pro Wrestling Crate. Um their crates are sold out, but you can buy they call it the tag team, and it's seventeen ninety five, and you get two wrestling shirts. But, but because I I need a three X shirt right now, or I want to buy a three X shirt, um, they charge you three fifty more a shirt. So, after shipping and the in the upcharge for the size difference and blah blah blah, you know, it, it ends up being thirty dollars for two shirts, which is not a lot of money. But it's mystery shirts; you don't know what they're going to be. Yeah, and that's where I have a hard time with it because. It's the tag break this month. Drive time, uh, Edging Christian, FTR, the Brainbusters, a couple other teams. And if I knew for sure that it was a Brainbusters T-shirt, I would do it because I love the Brainbusters. But I don't know it's going to be a Brainbusters T-shirt. And knowing my luck, it's going to be a Prime Time T-shirt. Which, no disrespect to them, I wasn't a fan. Or it might be an edgy Christian shirt, which is okay, but it's like it's not something I would have sought out to buy. Yeah, so I've been hesitant to pull the trigger on that, and I didn't. And then I was looking for other shirts and older shirts, and you know, the idea of spending going on these other websites and you know, after shipping and everything, spending thirty dollars on a single shirt is just no. It's not something I'm interested in. Well, then I was on Twitter, which I haven't been on a lot lately. I'm not going to get into why, but I was on Twitter and I saw Pete Dunn. Uh, through his big cartel store, was selling the original British Strong Style shirt, which is a black shirt with black lettering that says British Strong Style on it. And they were selling it for like two days only. So by the time you listen to this, it probably sales not going to be on anymore. And all the money's being donated. 
and they're 15 pounds for the shirt. And I was like, all right, well, I wonder where it's going to get me on shipping to the United States, you know? And shipping was two pounds, which surprised yep. the hell out of me. So total, it was $22.09 American. And I did not hesitate to pull the trigger. And so I bought me a British Strong Style shirt because I yep. love me British Strong Style. I did it in a heartbeat, like not just because I love Pete Dunn and British Strong Style, but to support what they're supporting. And uh, like both of those are reasons for me to do it. The shirt's cool. Uh, and I agree. 100%. They have to be shipping it from within the United States for that to be the shipping cost. Uh, I'm sure that they're still charging in pounds because that's what they're set up for. But. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I just know it's a damn good deal, and it's a great look. It's gonna be a sharp looking shirt, and I'm pretty excited about getting it. And uh, yeah, so I found a shirt, the British Strong Style. So uh, it's wrestling, which makes me happy. Yeah, I love it. Now I have two Pete Dunn shirts and no other wrestling shirts anymore. Oh, uh, my old Pete Dunn shirt's too big for me now. Yeah, and it looks bad on me. So yeah, yeah. WWE shirts, uh, they don't look the best on anybody. I think, I don't think so. yeah. Yeah, they're weird, but anyhow. But, all right, brother. Well, again, thanks a lot for joining me. Yeah. And, uh, we'll uh, talk to everybody else next week. Yeah.